Welcome to the Sheila Kama Extractive Podcast. Once again, I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Atom Gollum. Uh, he was formerly a researcher at the Center for Mind, Land, Rehabilitation, Sustainable Mineral Institute at the University of Queensland, but now works for the uh, Queensland uh, government in the Geological Survey. He has a multidisciplinary background in economics, engineering, and environmental science, and 20 years uh, experience in the mineral industry and academia. Uh, one of his uh, areas of knowledge is waste management, and that is the subject of our discussion today. Atom, lovely to speak with you again. Good morning, Sheila. That's wonderful. So I just wanted to ask you, what do we mean by waste management? Uh, I think we have to start here with, with the waste component because um, it's, it's important to understand how we define waste before we go into waste management. So typically we think waste is some unwanted materials. They have no use. And it's important to know that this is driven by our economic approach. So when we mean unwanted materials, we mean that we cannot really find um, a way to make money out of this, or it's simply not feasible. Uh, this is why recycling industry often struggles to collect materials, because it's not that they are you know, useless, it's because we cannot really profitably collect and reprocess them. So waste management, when we talk about management, it's um, different processes to manage waste. It's collection, transportation, treatment, disposal, but very important to mention, well, all these processes are about essentially costs. And that's again, you know, it's an economic kind of negative perception of waste. So we have to spend more money uh, to, to deal with waste. Uh, but there are uh, two components for opportunities as well. This is waste avoidance, uh, as well as uh, for mine waste in particular, rehabilitation and returning the land back to productive use or alternative economic use. So this is where we probably should focus when we talk about waste management. So what are the opportunities to create a positive legacy um, and positive outcome, not just dealing with waste as some unwanted and costly to deal with materials. Yeah, that's interesting because the word waste suggests uselessness. But what you're saying is if we think of it in economic terms, it's really first uh, the cost of collection, reclaiming and turning into some form of economic value. But at the same time, it's also that cost of uh, you know, that process and the extent to which we can, that defines whether something is a waste or it is not. Now, uh, you, you, it's, it's interesting that you say uh, that, for instance, reclaiming of land, et cetera. So let's come to the extractives then. In the extractives industries, what is then the relationship between first waste management and the environment, and then perhaps climate change? Well, there is a direct connection probably from waste, uh, between waste and environment. Um, extractives typically characterize extractive industries by enormous amount of solid waste. So they occupy a significant land and they can affect directly and indirectly uh, ecosystem as well as um, humans in some cases. Um, it's not just uh, 
impact at present, but also impact in the future. Some mine waste can generate an impact uh, surrounding lands for thousands of years. Um, but from climate change perspective, typically we think about carbon emissions. Uh, the mining industry, of course, also um, industry that can generate emissions, but on a global scale, it's a relatively small proportion, simply because it's only the first stage in uh, materials processing. Um, that's, yes, it's significant, but not really. The, the major, I think, climate change related impact from extractive sector really comes from ecosystems and, and land disturbance. And this is where we should put our major effort. It, it's kind of easy, you know, when we go into the future, we think we can decarbonize our electricity generation and mining sector can also report uh, and do the same, but that's not the major impact in terms of a climate change. We still have to think about uh, ecosystem how we can support ecosystem. And this is where mining sector actually can make significant contribution by supporting ecosystems rather than simply destroying and jeopardizing the, 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 the survival in, in general. So you've said a couple of things I'd like to follow on. What, what, what do you mean by land disturbance in, in the context of mining? Uh, it's of course, it depends on the extractive industries. It can be surface disturbance where we have literally dig out of the ground. You know, first we have to remove all the vegetation, our soil, and then we have dig a big, big hole or many holes. And that's 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 exactly what disturbance uh, directly means. So we change in um, the landscape essentially. Uh, at the same time, if we generate mine waste, for example, we can create a mountain of other materials which we digged out of the ground. So that's the, the final landscape may look very much different from what it was originally like. Um, and this makes also challenging uh, to rehabilitate and return this land back to the productive use. Because essentially what we do, we, we, change, um, we change the system. Um, in some other sectors, of course, it's underground mining, so it's less visible. But nevertheless, um, it, it's it's the same essential impact. We we are digging, we are removing the ecosystem at, at, at some uh, to some extent, and then we have to return back to the way it was originally. So apart from um, the disturbance, which is to say, as you said, the stripping. Uh, the disturbing of the ecosystem such as forest and whatever else precedes mining. Uh, what are the other effects of uh, waste material or what are the other forms of waste material uh, from mining that can uh, disturb the land beyond just in the physical, say for instance, in the chemical form? Well, we probably have to go back to the basic definition and classification of waste. So we have three major components here, solid waste, gases, emissions, and as well as water effluents. So mining sector can generate all of them. And But the important difference, you know, gases and water effluents, they usually disappear from, from the site. So they can be diluted and we never see them again, essentially while solid waste, they continue to stay at the site. And this is the legacy from mining operation um, in the form of uh, waste rock. This is usually the major waste stream and as well as uh, mine tailings. So it's a fine ground material. 
um, so it's the same rock, but the, the difference from waste rock that it's crushed essentially to uh, very small particles can be a sand, si sand size material or even finer than that. Then we have, of course, um, some slag from processing, but it's usually a much smaller um, component. From, from an environmental perspective, what we want to know is the physical and geochemical stability of these materials. Uh, so that's uh, that's very important. Um, so we don't want these stockpiles to collapse uh, and affect the environment and humans, as well as uh, geochemical stability usually means what happens with the minerals, whether anything comes out of the material. And in this sense, um, the both you know solid and water effluents they are very much related. Uh, most experts in, in the sector agree that by far the major um, negative legacy from the mining sector is acid and metalliferous drainage. It comes from the solid waste, but it comes in, in the form of water effluents. So it's dissolved uh, heavy metals in particular and um, can be other materials. Uh, over time, uh, the, usually this continues, uh, can accelerate to, some, to a certain degree in some cases, it can last for centuries. Uh, this includes surface water streams as well as underground water streams, and uh, significant, you know, nearby ecosystems uh, can be affected by by those effluents. So I think this is this is what again important to understand that yes, the waste material can stay at the site, but the impacts go far beyond the boundaries of the mine. And that's that, that's why it's important to manage uh, these waste materials properly from from the very beginning. So uh, I mean, from a, a, a lay person's uh, perspective, then are we saying that some of these uh, toxic uh, affluent material? Are we saying that its impact on the environment, say whether it's uh, surface water or underground uh, aquifers, can be permanent, or do we have ways through waste management that we can afford avoid rather uh, that potential century-old impact? Oh, permanent is a very strong word here. It really depends on the time scale whether we're talking about hundreds of years, thousands of years or millions. Uh, from a planetary perspective, it's not permanent, it's just a temporary, but uh, from a human perspective, thousands of years, it's, it's really a lot. So, uh, and in many cases, it can last for thousands of years, um, unless it's a radioactive waste and it can last for, for millions. Um, so yes, better waste management practices definitely can help us to um, avoid those permanent effects. Um, in, in many cases, it is accepted that uh, waste materials can generate certain impacts uh, in the first years after, after mine closure and rehabilitation. But with the use of different engineering methods and the right techniques, usually these processes slow down to a point where they completely stop and essentially becomes non-polluting. And this is the target uh, for, for many mine closure um, uh, approaches to achieve within a few years time frame, achieve essentially a very minor or no, no, no impact. This is what we mean by successful rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it sounds to me like when you speak about the uh, longevity of the effect that the substances have something to do with it. In other words, 
the severity of the toxicity of the substance. You, you use the example, for instance, of nuclear material that can last. So it, it matters then what the substance is that we are talking about, quite apart from whatever interventions the project might have to reduce the uh, level of waste. Is that correct? Yes, absolutely. It really depends on what type of material we mine, how deep uh, in the ground it is. Um, in, in many cases, you know, whatever we dig out, it, it was already present on the surface uh, for, for many millions of years, and, and nature took care out of these materials via weathering processes. So it, it's, an, it's a natural way to decontaminate materials, you know, with rain and, and, and wind and, and sunlight. Uh, the only difference that we have in the extractive sector, we kind of accelerate in these processes. We dig in something out of the ground that is not supposed to be at, at within the same time frame. Uh, it should go for you know much longer period. We doing this too much and too, too fast and expose again these materials too much to to weathering processes. So that's. Uh, Partially, probably the answer why we have issues. It, it just, it just the scale of the extractive industry and and how much we mine uh, results in 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 this um, in the need for new technologies and, and new approaches and waste management. If we dig so much, we produce so much waste. We need to use different technologies to avoid the impact. That's interesting because I didn't I didn't think of it that way. Because you are right, of course. These uh, substances, these chemical substances that are processed to become metals already exist uh, in the environment. And what you're saying is left as they are, nature has its way of striking the right balance. But because we as uh, industry come and mine not only faster, but at the rate that would normally uh, surpass nature's own capability, but also expose them, that this is where the difference is. It's not because the chemicals themselves per se are toxic. It's just we are distorting what you earlier called the uh, ecosystem. So does that mean then that uh, in mining, at least for chemical substances, because not every mineral is a chemical substance, is waste unavoidable or are there ways by which all material can be used for other applications? I think it's a very essential question to answer and it's yes or no. Really, it depends back on the definition of waste. A simple answer from an economic perspective would be just to say, uh, it's not the issue of technologies to reuse the materials. It's the issue of economics limitation. It's only because we cannot process it feasibly or we don't have yet a feasible way to, to recover the materials. That's why we waste them. But then we have to go beyond economic definition into environmental perspective. From the environmental perspective, what is waste when it is polluting or when it is not polluting, regardless whether it's useful for us or not. Um, a simple example that I can kind of, um, it, 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 to show this um, is, is an island. Imagine we have an island and we have a big mine on, on, a, on an island. Uh, typically, if it's a copper or gold mine, we only really looking for very small percentage. It can be, you know, one or 2% of the material we want to recover, uh, valuable minerals and the rest, 99%. 
essentially is a waste. So it has to go back or be stockpiled somewhere. But what happens if all of a sudden we have a feasible way to produce something useful out of the whole ore body that we mine, so all 100%. And by the end of the mining operation, there will be no island left, literally no island. So from, <laughs> from a waste management perspective, it's very successful. We were able to recover all materials and we were able to sell them. We found the customer, but at the end, there is no island left. Um, so for many generations, people and uh, different creatures were enjoying sometimes, you know, very specific to the in endemic um, flora and fauna that were living on this island. And now it's gone in, in a matter of 20 or 30 years. So this really, it's not, it's not a good outcome. So in, in many cases, we have to understand that it's not just about mining and byproducts recovery. It's also about land management. And in many cases, the materials that we dig out, they, they have to stay within the environment if the environment requires them, if the ecosystem requires them. So they're incorporating this uh, view of economics on one side and, and valuable recovery and then the land itself and the ecosystem. So we have to balance and this is what can give us a sustainable solution. So really we, we should not push to recover everything. What we should push for is to find a balance and to avoid systems inefficiency, both from an economic and from an environmental perspective. Wow, now I want you to slow down because you, you've said quite a lot and, and uh, I'm reminded that not everybody is uh, an engineer, much less uh, a waste management specialist that you are. So I, I, I want to follow back on a couple of things. So what you're saying is that if you just look at a mine uh, from a purely mining economics point of view, what you want is that everything you mine, you, you use and sell somehow. But what you're saying is the opportunity cost of doing that, while economically it might make sense, is that actually uh, you have now destroyed and taken out and completely unable to restore uh, even partially to its original form. And, and that when we think of waste, it isn't just about whether we recover everything, it is also about the extent to which we can restore uh, the island as close as possible to its economic form. So that you define, are you saying, as some form of waste? Uh, uh, yes, <laughs> I think this this is again a very important aspect that that we have to kind of talk about. Uh, currently, we define waste as anything that has no purpose, no use. But in many cases, the material we deal with, uh, they they really have a purpose for the environment, not not for our economy, but for the environment. And uh, if we can put it back. Uh, especially when we talk about uh, progressive rehabilitation. So some companies can rehabilitate the land as they mine. So they, they disturb a little bit and they rehabilitate partially and then they disturb more, they rehabilitate more. So by the end of operations, essentially everything that was disturbed already rehabilitated. There is nothing left to re rehabilitate and return back. So that, that's uh, an example of uh, kind of best available approaches and techniques. Um, so in, in this sense, yes, we, we have to, to think about the environment. Uh, and this material, I would not call it waste. I would just call it, um, well, there is no name yet, really. No one kind of came up with an idea, but that's um, uh, 
at the moment in the waste management, we simply call it benign materials. Uh, and benign materials means that we can use them for rehabilitation. Uh, and when we segregate the materials in, in the mining, they, they, many companies do exactly that. They, they check the material. If it's dangerous, it goes in one way. If it's benign, it goes in the other way. And this segregation allows to properly uh, landscape the environment after you close your operations and you know, you can encapsulate dangerous materials and the benign materials go on the top, on the surface. So essentially you can create and think about future rehabilitation from the very beginning. Yeah, so you used uh, a term that everybody uses, myself included. And now I've just realized, Atom, I don't have a clue what this means. So what do we mean by pollution? Um, okay. Usually defined by the regulator, so pollution above um, its release of certain substance above a certain threshold that can affect humans or can uh, affect animals or can affect plants, um, either at present or in the future. In the future, you know, some substances can accumulate over time, so we have to think not just about current exposure level, but also about accumulation levels over time. Um, these thresholds, they have been changing over time. It's subject to science, subject to um, medical investigations. So for some substances, we have no record and not very little understanding what would happen if we release those substances. So they essentially, we know we should not release them, but we don't have any regulatory limit for, for the release. Um, so pollution, again, typically means releasing something above the threshold. Uh, the simple way, you know, to meet threshold in, in, in some instances simply to dilute. Um, this may include the water effluents. If you dilute it, then it's not a waste because the concentration is below the threshold. So there's still pollution in, in absolute terms, uh, but it's below the threshold. So it's acceptable by regulator. Uh, whether it's acceptable by ecosystem, it's a, it's a, different, um, a different point of view. And the same with the solid waste, you can dilute even with radioactive materials. You know, it's only radioactive if it's concentrated. If it's diluted, then it's um, below the threshold, then it's not radioactive. Yeah, it's just a background level. Sure. And, and that uh, takes us back to the point you made earlier that, you know, these radioactive materials already exist in the environment. Uh, in acceptable levels, and nature has its way of dealing with them in a way that uh, they are not destructive. I guess uh, these uh, measures to counter pollution, uh, some of the what you described as efforts to support the the ecosystem, is that what you mean by supporting the ecosystem? I. Uh... It's 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 a very different area of it's not exactly my main expertise uh, the ecosystem and how we return back and what type of plants we need to bring and what type of animals uh, but generally speaking yes it it's very important for um, uh, for land to be productive it, it needs to have a variety it's biodiversity not you know in some cases we simply change in the landscape when the mining operation starts and then finishes. And by the end of operation, people realize, well, the, the landscape looks different. It's a, it, the same ecosystem is not going, going to survive in, in those environments. 
So we have to bring different type of plants, uh, or sometimes even animals, simply because it is different. It, it, you know, the most extreme probably um, example when we have a, an open cut pit and at the end of operation, it's simply full of water. So it's not anymore a forest, it's just a lake. So clearly you cannot just put a forest on the top of a lake. You need to, <laughs> you, you need to manage it as, as a water body. Uh, in some cases, it becomes lower, you know, if it's a very close to the coastal area, it becomes so low that it's not anymore a productive lane, but becomes, um, uh, uh, like I call it, um, essentially part of, part partially covered with, with salt water. So you have to manage it as a mangrove trees, for example, mangrove um, um, land not anymore as a normal forest just because the elevation becomes so low and it's very close to the to the coastal area so uh, the, the sort of things you are talking about for instance when you when we speak about mine closure and restoring the land uh or the forest for some for that matter the assumption here is that uh we are not trying to restore uh, the environment in its original form, all we are trying to do is salvage the economic value, uh, albeit with, with a view to balancing the ecosystem. I mean, what is the goal? Well, the, the goal is managing mine waste really is um, to, to decrease the impact and generate additional economic value for the companies. So that's usually the only way we can sell this idea to big mining companies that we can achieve both. It's a positive legacy for the environment and it's additional economic uh, return. Um, a, a good more recent example is um, uh, what we call OSENT. It's an example of recovering some of the waste uh, in the process of um, producing minerals as construction material. So construction materials is the most widely used um, uh, natural resource. It's in the order of 50 billion tons a year. And it's surprisingly very well matches the amount of mine waste we generate. So often there is a problem to reuse mine waste. Um, it's just so much waste we have, it's so enormous. There is no any other application where we can use such an amount and, uh, and the only one really is construction aggregates. They are on the same scale. So if you Google um, OSEN report, you can find our most recent uh, report on, on, on this topic. Um, and we believe that's really important and cr crucial for mining companies to think about some of the tailing, some of the waste rock as a potential aggregate material. So that's important for construction. And this is also important from a, a benign materials perspective, which can be used at the mine site as well for mine rehabilitation. By, by, um, mine, by mine aggregates, you mean uh, cement, concrete, and things like that. And, and uh, uh, is that what you mean? Construction aggregates include sand, gravel, and crushed rock. Uh, cement is a is a processed material. It, it, it's a different, you know, it, it's like a glue. You need to uh, normally when you do concrete, you have to use aggregates and you glue them together with cement. So that's uh, different so... components, but yes, but yes, they used together. Another important example I wanted to mention is it's not sometimes only about the waste reuse or repurposing or avoiding. It's also about land reuse. So what can we do with the land at the end of mining operations? And we have, um, I think, 
in some sense, they are fascinating examples of, um, of the reuse of mine pits uh, as uh, storage for water or pumped, pumped hydroelectric energy storage. So we have uh, old Kidston mine, and uh, one mine is still in operation. They also plan to do the same at Mount Roden. So essentially, you can use these mining pits as a big battery for uh, for decarbonized electricity storage, and it's very important in our efforts towards the climate change. So it's not mine waste, but it's a legacy from the mining operations. And in in this sense, you you can plan for this as well and and adjust your waste management techniques. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a common uh, image, isn't it, when people. Uh, or, that critics of uh, the mining industry use is to show these great big uh, holes uh, full of water, uh, which and 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 to show how the 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 mining industry scars the earth. But what you're saying is uh, actually, as we think more progressively about waste, some of those can actually be a source of uh, renewable energy and contribute to uh, transition. I didn't know that. I have to ask you one final question, uh, Atom, because, of course, we are talking now about uh, waste in the extractive space, but, you know, there's also industrial waste and there's also domestic waste. And when you go into that area, then public education and public awareness is very important. I don't hear much public awareness when it comes to the importance of uh, managing waste. How, in your view, important is public education in understanding this, especially in helping, uh, you know, make sure all the stakeholders are aligned? Well, I believe it's very important, um, but traditionally waste management is attributed to companies' responsibility and also refers to um, legal, legal liabilities, what is required by the regulation. Uh, of course, it would be beneficial for all of us if companies would deliver above the regulatory requirements, um, waste management techniques and approaches. Um, and it's very desirable. And this is where I think um, public opinion is important to, to push companies to go beyond what is required by current regulation. Um, I don't think we, we can see and find more uh, examples of public education in, uh, in particular in relation to extractive sector. Uh, the only one I'm aware is, is university level teaching. Yes, you know, when we uh, talking to our future engineers, uh, business managers, environmental scientists, of course, we give them a good understanding of what is required uh, by sustainable development. What is our, from a planetary perspective needed? So they can push um, within their work and in the, in, in the public, they can articulate that uh, this is needed. Uh, another important part, it's probably as well crucial, it's um, in the past we called corporate social responsibility and now more often we use term ESG, environmental, social and governance issue. Uh, companies are now required by, some, in some cases even forced by investors to disclose what do they do in the environmental, social and governance space. And this is where we can find uh, waste management in particular um, being disclosed. And this is how we can know. And this is how we can vote with a dollar, you know, investing in the company or not investing in the company. Uh, and I think this will drive a significant improvement uh, in the environmental side as well. 
Fantastic. Well, Tom, I've enjoyed our conversation once again, and thank you very much for joining the Sheila Kam Extractive podcast. Uh, thank you, Sheila. It's my pleasure to talk to you again.